With his unique perspective on the medical legal system, here's Victor Cotton. Welcome to the Law and Medicine Podcast. Today's topic is the mistreatment of older physicians in the name of patient safety. This issue recently made the national news when the Yale New Haven Hospital was sued by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which alleged that Yale's late career practitioner policy is an illegal form of age discrimination. And based on what's been reported, here's the story. As part of the recredentialing process at Yale New Haven Hospital, physicians must undergo peer review that evaluates their clinical competence and performance. If a physician doesn't pass this review, then he or she is not recredentialed. Now, there's nothing illegal or unusual about this part of the process. Virtually every facility does this type of thing, and it's necessary to ensure proper patient care. So I have no problem with periodic peer review. The problem is the second step. If the doctor is over the age of 70, then in addition to peer review, he's also required to undergo cognitive testing. From what I read, the testing doesn't evaluate clinical ability or knowledge. It's some type of neuropsychiatric test where you have to remember random numbers and put puzzles together. Now, I don't know how that correlates with clinical ability, and neither does anyone else because the test hasn't been validated for that purpose. The other problem is that the test doesn't give reproducible results. According to the report, Yale tested 145 physicians, of which 22 either failed or were borderline deficient. However, when those doctors were retested, all but one of them passed, which is concerning because how reliable is the test if it doesn't give consistent results? But even if the results were consistent, how does my score on an abstract mental exercise correlate with my clinical ability? No one knows, but it doesn't matter because this is patient safety and patient safety trumps everything. So if your score is low, you're obviously a danger to patients and you lose your privileges. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that we should allow demented physicians to practice medicine. I'm saying that we should periodically review everyone's performance. And if you can't take care of a patient, then you shouldn't be allowed to practice. That's what peer review is. And all of these doctors went through that process. But according to Yale, along with many other hospitals, if you're over 70, peer review isn't enough. And even though no one found anything wrong with your clinical performance, you're old, which makes you a risk and you therefore have to undergo additional testing simply because you're old. And on its face, this is blatantly unfair and disrespectful. So why then are patient safety people pushing this? Because the airlines do it. Yes, that's the reason, because the airlines do it. Patient safety people are obsessed with airplanes, so much so that every one of their ideas can be traced back to the airlines. Checklists, team training, crew resource management, readbacks, it's all based on aviation. Now, you might be wondering, why are they copying the airlines? What does the practice of medicine have in common with an airplane? I don't know, 
and I'm an instrument-rated pilot. But even if we assume that there is something in common, none of the airplane things that we're copying have been shown to work. The Navy did a study of checklists and team training with Navy pilots and found that it didn't improve safety. The National Transportation Safety Board published an analysis of the improvements in aviation safety over the past 30 years and credited most of it to the advent of Doppler radar, which allows planes to avoid thunderstorms, not checklists. But facts never matter to patient safety people, and they're firmly committed to this idea that medicine must do whatever the airlines do. And I don't know if that includes mistreating passengers, losing luggage, and going bankrupt on a regular basis, but that's not my point today. My point is that patient safety people are obsessed with airplanes. Which brings me to a federal regulation which prohibits pilots over the age of 65 from flying for the airlines, United, Delta, American, and so on. According to the federal aviation regulations, a person over the age of 65 cannot fly for the airlines. Older pilots are permitted to fly for other companies and they can fly any type of airplane, but they're not allowed to fly for the airlines. And because older pilots aren't allowed to fly for Delta, older doctors must undergo cognitive testing. That's the thought process. That's why hospitals are doing this to doctors. And if you think I'm exaggerating, in response to the lawsuit, Yale issued the following statement. We believe our policy, which is modeled after policies in other industries, is necessary to protect patients. And by other industries, they mean airplanes. The long and the short of it is that hospitals are implementing mandatory testing of older doctors because the airlines have mandatory retirement for older pilots. And if you think that's stupid, which it is, listen to this. The reason the airlines have this policy has nothing to do with the risk of cognitive impairment, and it has nothing to do with the ability of an older pilot to fly a plane. The FAA implemented this rule to minimize the risk of a pilot dying at 30,000 feet, because that occurrence would place 200 people in danger. And if that's the scenario you're trying to avoid, then the age rule makes sense because a 70-year-old pilot is much more likely to suddenly die than a 40-year-old pilot. But that scenario, which the rule is designed to prevent, that scenario has no analogy in medicine. If a pilot dies at 30,000 feet, 200 people are put in danger. But if a doctor dies in the exam room, it doesn't put anyone in danger, unless maybe if he falls onto the patient. And even if a doctor dies in the OR, someone else could step in and manage the case until help arrives. And how often does that happen anyway? What I'm saying here is that medicine has no scenario analogous to a pilot dying in flight. And as a result, blindly adopting the FAA's age rule is completely misplaced, even more misplaced than all the other things that have been adopted from aviation. Now, you might be thinking, 
But what about the data showing that cognitive ability declines with age? Well, that's a concern. But the data with respect to the practice of medicine isn't terribly impressive. And that might be because older physicians retire or cut back when they begin to have difficulty. One study found that older surgeons had higher mortality rates when performing carotid endarterectomy. But another found that older obstetricians had fewer maternal complications. A third study found that older hospitalists had higher patient mortality, but the differences disappeared among physicians who had higher patient volumes. Similar results were found for surgeons performing major surgery, but the differences between old and young were small and were limited to surgeons with low procedure volumes. After analyzing all of the available literature, a review article concluded, and I quote, Surgeon age is a relatively weak predictor of operative mortality. So the science shows that age is a weak predictor in surgeons. And based on that, we've implemented mandatory testing of all older physicians, surgeons, and non-surgeons alike. That approach is not only scientifically unsound, it is illegal. The primary law here is the Federal Age Discrimination in Employment Act, or ADEA. It states that employers are not permitted to make employment decisions based on age, meaning that it is illegal for an employer to use age as the basis, as the metric, as the criteria for a decision. So if a hospital makes a decision based on age, for example, by requiring any doctor over the age of 70 to undergo cognitive testing, that hospital would violate the plain language of the ADEA because the decision would be based entirely on age. Now, you might be wondering why something like this is illegal. After all, it's just a simple test, and many of the people who fail probably shouldn't be practicing anyway, so what's the problem? Here's the problem. If the only doctors who take the test are over the age of 70, then the only doctors who fail the test will be over the age of 70, and the only doctors who lose their hospital privileges as a result of the test will be over the age of 70 because those are the only people who took the test. The end result is that this policy, this practice, selectively eliminates older doctors which is per se age discrimination, and on its face, this approach is therefore illegal. However, the law does contain an exception, and here's how it works. An employer is permitted to make decisions based on age if it is compelled to do so because no other approach would provide comparable information. An employer is allowed to make decisions based on age if no other reasonably available approach would provide comparable information. In simple terms, the employer has to say, look, we had a serious problem, and the only reasonable way we had to address it was to make decisions based on age. We didn't want to use age, and we tried to avoid it, but we had no other option. If the employer can say that, and if it's true, then the employer can make decisions based on age. 
However, an employer cannot use age simply because it's convenient or even because it's effective. Even if age is an effective way of identifying incompetent physicians, which it's not, but even if it was, an employer isn't allowed to implement age-based testing unless it has no other viable way of identifying incompetent physicians. An employer must be compelled to use age as a last resort. So, in order to win this case, Yale must argue that they are compelled to screen based on age because they don't have any other way of detecting which physicians might be competent. And here's how that argument sounds in a courtroom. Your Honor, within our institution, the Yale New Haven Hospital, we're required to ensure that our physicians are competent. But we have no idea which of our physicians are incompetent, and we have no reasonable way to detect them. And although being over the age of 70 is a poor marker of competence, we don't have any other metric that we can use, so we have to test based on age. That's the argument that they have to make, and the core of it is that they have no idea what's going on in their institution. That argument is not only embarrassing, it's blatantly untrue. Every hospital I've ever known has dozens of people gathering data. They track patient outcomes, monitor infection rates, evaluate readmissions, and endlessly hound people about antibiotic usage. Don't tell me they don't know what's going on in their hospital. They know whether you called a surgical timeout, the exact moment that every order is entered, and they can tell the Joint Commission the outcome of every procedure that's been done for the past 10 years. And they not only have that information, they use it for peer review on every doctor every two years. And peer review is the gold standard for assessing competency. So if Yale says that they were compelled to test based on age because they don't have any other way of detecting who might be competent, it's a lie. They not only have another method, it's the best method. It's called peer review, and they're already doing it on everyone. And because they're already identifying incompetent physicians with the best method available, how can they say that they were compelled to use age-based testing with an unvalidated test? They can't. What they're doing is mean-spirited, discriminatory, and illegal. And ironically, many of these same people, and by same people, I mean patient safety people, many of these same people who are illegally discriminating against older doctors are leading the charge to end discrimination against female physicians. Unless, of course, the female physician is over the age of 70, in which case she should be discriminated against. But what's even more concerning is that the age discrimination we're seeing here is probably just the beginning. And I say that because if patient safety people are allowed to do this to older doctors, they'll quickly decide to target another group of doctors. And it won't take long until we start hearing reports that surgical outcomes vary based on the race of the physician or the religion of the physician. The differences will be subtle, inconsistent, not statistically significant, and not reproducible, just like they are with age, but very concerning nonetheless. And because this could compromise patient safety, hospitals will again be compelled to implement unvalidated testing to determine whether these physicians are competent. 
The end result will be that when you apply for hospital privileges, the requirements will differ based on your age, your race, your religion, or even your political affiliation, all in the name of patient safety, of course. And if the credentialing department happens to make a mistake, you'll get a call that will sound something like this. I'm sorry, doctor, we didn't realize you were Jewish. We shouldn't have approved your application. You're required to have additional testing. No one is going to argue with the idea that physicians must be competent, but discriminating against someone because of their age, their sex, their disability, their race, or their religion is despicable. And that's true even if you're doing it in the name of patient safety especially if you're doing it in the name of patient safety. But what's even more concerning is that this type of practice puts us on a slippery slope to a very bad place. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Victor Cotton, physician, attorney, and founder of Law & Medicine. If you'd like to learn more about us or support our efforts, we invite you to visit our website at lawandmed.com. We offer a variety of online educational courses for which you can earn Category 1 CME credit. Many of our courses can be used to meet your malpractice insurance company's requirements for a policy discount. And if you receive a CME allowance from your employer, we can provide you with a receipt which can be used to obtain reimbursement. This has been a production of Law & Medicine, Hershey, Pennsylvania. All rights are reserved.